it must be understood as everyone has been telling you learn to read your world the chairman has been interpreting your world the facts have been brought out in every way and we should have a revolutionary movement underway here but we do not Y'all can talk about all these viruses, and that's good, but you can't forget the main one. It's plaguing us, bro. It's time now for the People's War Radio Show, where we do talk about the main virus. And that is colonialism. Here on the People's War Radio Show, we talk with healthcare workers, activists, revolutionaries, authors, teachers, and regular people from the African community. We aim to bring you an African internationalist analysis on all things important to winning our freedom from colonialism. The root of all our problems. Why I'm poor. The colonial virus keeps me at war. The colonial virus. Uhuru, and welcome to the People's War Radio Show. Today's episode is dedicated to the struggle for the release of African political prisoners in honor of Black August. The roots of Black August are in the uprisings and rebellions of African freedom fighters who were imprisoned as a result of their political activity during the height of the Black Power Movement of the 1960s. In the 1970s, Black August was started by incarcerated Africans in California in observance of the death of George Jackson. It's now honored as a month-long salute to the African liberation struggle, recognizing such historic milestones as the Haitian Revolution, the birth of Marcus Garvey, and the deaths of Jonathan Jackson and George Jackson. Black August is a month of remembrance and resistance, especially dedicated to our African warriors in prison for their heroic stance fighting for African liberation. Some of our African freedom fighters have been released from prison. In October 2020, Jalil Mutakin, former member of the Black Panther Party and the Black Liberation Army, was released from prison after over 49 years of captivity. Members of the MOVE organization have been released, including Janine Africa, Janet Africa, Mike Africa Sr., and Charles Africa. Some of our political prisoners were released only when they were critically ill and then died shortly after. Debador Africa was a MOVE member falsely convicted of the murder of a Philadelphia cop and sentenced to 30 years to life for a crime he did not commit. He served 42 years before being released on January 18, 2020, as a result of ongoing campaigns led by the MOVE family and friends around the world. He died six months later, on June 15, 2020, after a two-year battle with prostate and bone cancer. Lynn Stewart was known as the People's Lawyer. 
a white woman who went up against U.S. state power to defend African, Arab, and other colonized activists. After representing Sheikh Omar Abdelrahman against terrorism charges, she was convicted of aiding terrorism and sentenced to 10 years. Stewart was released from prison in December 2013 while fighting breast cancer. She died three and a half years later at the age of 77. Albert Woodfox, Robert King, and Herman Wallace were targeted for their activism as members of the Black Panther Party in the 1970s. They endured a combined total of 114 years in solitary confinement at Louisiana's notorious Angola prison. Wallace was released in 2013 and died a week later. King was released in 2001, and Woodfox was released in 2016. Today, they travel the world advocating for the release of unjustly imprisoned people. And many are still incarcerated. Mumia Abu-Jamal has been locked up since 1981. At age 16, Mumia was the Minister of Information for the Philadelphia chapter of the Black Panther Party. He went on to serve as the president of the Philadelphia Black Journalists Association and has been an outspoken supporter of the MOVE organization. Now 67 years old, Mumia suffers from a chronic heart condition and is reported to have cirrhosis of the liver caused by untreated hepatitis C. In February, he was diagnosed with COVID-19. He is sentenced to life without parole. Matul Shakur remains in prison after his 1986 conviction of conspiracy and bank robbery. A former member of the Black Liberation Army and founder of the Black Acupuncture Advisory Association, he was also charged with helping Asada Shakur to escape from a New Jersey prison in 1979. Matulu also suffers life-threatening medical conditions. He's 71 years old. Sundiata Akoli went to prison when he was 36 years old and is now 84. A veteran of the 1964 Mississippi Freedom Summer and member of the Harlem Black Panther Party, he was with the side of Shakur when they were ambushed by New Jersey state troopers. He has repeatedly been denied parole. Bruchelle Sinke McGee has been in prison for nearly 60 years. He happened to be present in the Marin County courtroom where 17-year-old Jonathan Jackson enlisted Sinke and two other prisoners to kidnap a judge as hostage for the release of Jonathan Jackson's brother, George Jackson. Today, he remains captive at Vacaville Prison in California. In today's broadcast, we bring you excerpts from political prisoners and organizers leading the fight to free our freedom fighters, presented during the 12th Annual Convention of the Black is Back Coalition for Social Justice, Peace, and Reparations, held August 7 and 8, 2021. On the first day of the convention, leaders of several coalition working groups addressed the focus of the group's work. Point number four of the coalition's national black political agenda for self-determination reads, free all political prisoners. This includes politicized prisoners who may have originally been in prison for non-political reasons, but whose achieved political consciousness after imprisonment resulted in political acts or statements that are punished by specialized treatment and sometimes additional prison time. The definition of political prisoners is also extended to all those activists and militants who have been detained or arrested during the most recent wave of resistance in places like Ferguson, Missouri, Baltimore, Maryland, and Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We reject the authority of the U.S. state to imprison persons whose imprisonment is rooted in their defense of black people's democratic and self-determination rights. 
Black people ourselves have the right and responsibility to designate those individuals and categories of prisoners to be immediately released from U.S. confinement and control. The theme of this year's convention was deepening the resistance to police terror. Honoring our political prisoners and prisoners of war, Black community control of the police. African People's Socialist Party Chairman Omalia Shetela had this to say. In this conference, the, the theme of the conference, uh, uh, the deepening the resistance to police terror, uh, honoring uh, the, our political prisoners and prisoners of war, uh, and, uh, and Black community control of the police, it also helps to remind us that we uh, are talking about a movement that did not just begin today, uh, didn't uh, just begin when many people uh, became conscious uh, in this last era, but it, it is a continuum of uh, struggle uh, for freedom for, uh, from uh, colonial domination, from the foreign and alien domination that constitutes uh, what we know as colonialism. And that's what we talk about. This is what this theme represents. And, it, and we say it's a milestone because of a certain development that has come uh, 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 subsequent to this massive uh, terroristic war that was made against our struggle for freedom and happiness uh, as a people. Uh, and and uh, this is why we are talking about uh, police terror. Uh, it is a police terror that uh, uh, has been able to go on in this era, in this period, uh, as a consequence of the, uh, the neutralization, uh, more or less, of the struggle for, uh, for, for political independence, the struggle uh, against colonial domination. Uh, it is a milestone uh, because uh, we talk about uh, not uh, just uh, uh, dealing with the police terror, which uh, is uh, allowed uh, up to now to happen with an element of impunity, uh, uh, precisely because uh, those who uh, were in the vanguard of the struggle uh, to against colonial domination, many of those, many of those forces, uh, advanced forces, uh, were were captured or were killed, and uh, and so the police uh, state uh, has the colonial state has been able uh, to move with an element of impunity that. Uh, it was not able to do uh, during the height of our resistance in the 1960s. And we referenced the 1960s, not because of some romanticism that we attach to it, but uh, it is the high tide of resistance, not only of African people in the United States, but peoples around the world uh, who had determined that we were not going to live under colonial domination any longer, uh, that uh, we were not going to tolerate colonialist white power uh, determining the future uh, for our people, for our children any longer. And so that was the kind of movement uh, that the United States government uh, confronted uh, that, um, that, that makes this discussion that we're having today, this conference so important, this theme so important. And so uh, uh, Black community control of the police uh, is a, 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 a statement of a, a kind of, uh, if you will, a revolutionary national democratic uh, uh, demand uh, that uh, has come to the surface again uh, in uh, at this era and in this conference. So uh, I want to remind people uh, of just how serious this revolutionary movement has been. It's not over. And uh, some people uh, think that history has begun uh, with their entry 
uh, into a level of consciousness that would have them participating in social media militancy. Uh, but the reality, again, is that when we look at the numbers of, uh, of uh, comrades who still live, who still survive, who are locked uh, in, these, uh, in these concentration camps, and that's what they are uh, as prisoners, uh, then we know that's not the case. We're talking now uh, about uh, of, uh, honoring our political prisoners and prisoners of war, uh, uh, because these are the comrades who uh, recognized uh, that, that uh, we could no longer tolerate living like, like a subject uh, and, and uh, captive people, that we had to break out of this um, imprisonment. Uh, the fact is that today, when we're having this discussion, there are more than 2 million uh, people locked in prisons in this, in this country. And uh, the fact is that the people who are uh, uh, in prisons in this country represents the largest prison population on the planet Earth. And that uh, this did not just uh, suddenly happen over, uh, over a long period of time. In fact, the escalation of the imprisonment of our people was something that we saw uh, develop uh, at the height of a struggle for against our colonial domination at the moment uh, African people moved away from philosophical nonviolence as a means of being able to try and affect the, the, our status as captive people in the United States and probably throughout the world. At the moment that occurred, then the U.S. government initiated an incres in, in a horrible uh, 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 increase uh, in the terror waged against our people uh, and uh, we see that uh, here the United States making up something like 5% of the global population of the United States has nearly 25% of the world's prison population. That's not just political prisoners as we know them. We're talking about prison population. 25% uh, of the world's prison population. And since 1970, the prison population in the United States has increased by 700%. And what is the significance of 1970, of that era? That is the era when, uh, uh, when the, the US government had concentrated so much of its power, so much of its force uh, to crush the, the, the anti-colonial resistance around the world and especially in the United States. We remember that it was on December 9th uh, 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 that the uh, uh, 1969, uh, that uh, the United States uh, government uh, unleashed this thing called a SWAT team in Los Angeles, California. And this was an attack on the Black Panther Party office in Los Angeles, just five days after they had murdered Fred Hampton uh, of, uh, on an attack on, on the Black Panther Party organization uh, in Chicago, uh, Illinois. Uh, the response that the United States government was making to the struggle for our, of our, by our people for freedom uh, was the same response that it was making to people in Vietnam, the same response that the French were making to people in Algeria, the same response that is typical uh, of a colonizer population, a colonizer country uh, dealing with a colonial uh, subject and colonized people who want to be free, who want to have control of our own resources our own happiness and determine our own future for ourselves and our children. So this is what we saw unleashed against the uh, African population. Uh, uh, living under colonial domination means generally speaking, the entire population uh, exists under some form of uh, imprisonment, whether you call it segregation, whether you call it Jim Crow, 
uh, or, or something to that effect, apartheid, uh, colonial domination has been the norm since we, uh, 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 since we came into contact with uh, European uh, uh, aggression that resulted in uh, the development of the capitalist system through the colonial uh, extraction of value and wealth uh, from Africans and peoples around the world. And so uh, uh, we look at a situation today where one out of every three African uh, 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 boys uh, can, that's born today can expect to go to prison in, a life, in his lifetime. Doesn't say that one out of every three uh, African boys born today was gonna commit a crime, says so gonna go to prison. And the fact is that this is a predetermined thing that cells have been created for African uh, people. And that's because we live under colonial domination and that we had a movement that crushed uh, this, this uh, philosophy that came along with the assumption that all we wanted to do uh, was to become a part of the overall oppressive system, that we just wanted to be a part of America and just wanted to integrate despite the fact that all around the world, uh, the United States government and all of the colonial powers were oppressing and killing everybody around the world. Uh, we saw a movement arise uh, within the African population requiring power over our own lives, black power. And this was a thing that put the struggle of African people on the same plane as the struggle of all colonized peoples around the world because the struggle for power uh, by a colonized people is the struggle against colonialism. And the fact is that we have come to understand finally uh, that the world economy is one that is born of colonialism, that the, the world economy is a colonial economy. That's the essence, that's the, that's the origin of capitalism. So uh, we look at uh, uh, what is happening to us and the rise of the resistance and the rise of the incarceration of our people. Uh, and people like to talk now about uh, this uh, program of the United States government uh, that's called uh, uh, 1033. Uh, and this is, uh, I think this program, this legislation uh, uh, called 1033 uh, was uh, something that was created uh, uh, in 1997. It, it's something called the Law Enforcement Support Office that initiated this. This is in 1997, uh, 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 but the fact is that we saw this unleashing of uh, terror against African people before this happened. It was uh, when 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 uh, uh, Comrade Mark Essex uh, 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 in New Orleans, Louisiana, uh, uh, began uh, uh, his uh, struggle uh, entered into the struggle. This is somebody who was a, a former uh, um, a Navy uh, was in the Navy and began to resist the, in the Navy uh, the treatment of African people there came out of the Navy uh, and, uh, and, and was watching the brutality that was imposed on African people uh, throughout this country, watching uh, how the police had killed uh, 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 Africans at Southern University uh, in, in South Carolina, uh, watching in Baton Rouge uh, this attack on uh, African people where two students were killed and uh, uh, himself uh, and had, uh, had at one time had some association with the Black Panther Party, but himself, uh, 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 picked up the gun, and uh, and and uh, this was uh, uh, something that when when we saw uh, Mark uh, Essex uh, uh, begin uh, the struggle, this was like from December thirty first, nineteen seventy three, to January uh, uh, December thirty first, nineteen seventy two, uh, to January 19, uh, uh, to 
to January 7, 1973. Uh, uh, Mark Essex uh, uh, made an assault on the on the depart the police department in New Orleans, and uh, uh, he uh, was so successful in making this attack and killed several policemen and had already announced that he was going to do it and why he did it. And because of how African people were being killed by the United States government, uh, then they went and got a helicopter. Uh, 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 some Marine pilot got a helicopter, loaded up some of the cops uh, uh, at the Howard Johnson Hotel where um, Mark uh, Essex had finally uh, located a firing position and they used the helicopter uh, to attack and kill Mark Essex. And this again uh, was in 1997. And what was it in 1985? Uh, uh, this was, I'm, far, I'm, I'm sorry, in 1973. Uh, uh, and then, what was it, 1985, uh, that they dropped the bomb uh, on the house in, in, in Philadelphia? Uh, this, was, this was C4, military-grade explosive. So when you're looking at something like this bill uh, 1553, as uh, you're not looking, fifth, I'm sorry, 1033 program, it's not a new phenomenon. The fact is at the beginning when we started to struggle for independence, when we started to struggle against colonialism, they began to initiate openly the kind of warfare that they were waging against other colonized peoples around the world. And this became partially uh, necessary because we had abandoned the philosophical position of nonviolence that said that they can do anything they want to and that they would be cured of, uh, of their, of their uh, uh, violence through uh, our ability to accept their violence. And then it became uh, uh, difficult for the traditional arms, uh, popular arms of the state, ordinary white people, Ku Klux Klan to attack us without expecting to be uh, fought back. And then the state proper uh, took up its place with SWAT teams, with special um, military resources that's been uh, uh, thrown in our way. And, and just in a, in a relatively short period of time, uh, using uh, uh, the, the, the uh, public policy of police containment uh, for African people, which has prevailed up to now, uh, which is a public policy is just the the, uh, uh, the principles are uh, often uh, unwritten. Sometimes it's not even written on which social laws are based, uh, which is responsible for all uh, of what we see in terms of uh, every politician running to lock up black people in prisons that the, you have a system today uh, where uh, two, 0.3 million people are locked up, uh, uh, 1,833 1, state prisons, 110 federal prisons, 1,772 juvenile correctional uh, institutions, and what have you. All of these are prisons, and this is an escalation of imprisonment that came as a response uh, to African people uh, determining to fight uh, for our own freedom. And this is the basis of the political prisoners and prisoners of war who are locked up uh, today. And these are people who are locked up, not because they are criminals, but because they fight against what would be called criminal activity by the United States government if the people were in power. And that's uh, something that makes this conference ex extraordinarily important in what it is that we are doing and makes the coalition uh, so significant for having brought together uh, all these disparate organizations that have been split uh, the movement of people that have been split from, from each other with the defeat, the attack on the revolution, scattered to the wind, thrown into prison and concentration camps, uh, and disregarded by a new set 
of so-called black political leaders who are uh, neo-colonial forces that support the system of our oppression and exploitation. So Uhuru, brothers and sisters, comrades, black is back. That was Amalia Shetela, chairman of the African People's Socialist Party and of the Black is Back Coalition for Social Justice, Peace and Reparations, speaking of the coalition's 12th annual convention held August 7th and 8th, 2021. Since its inception in 1969, the monthly journal of the African People's Socialist Party, the Burning Spear newspaper, has offered free subscriptions to any prisoner who requests it. The Burning Spear currently ships to over 600 prisoners across the U.S. Requests for free subscriptions can be made at theburningspear.com. But shot before she answered One panther lost his life The other ran for his Scandalous the police were As they kicked and beat her Comprehension she was beyond Trying to hold on to life She thought she lived with no arm That's what it felt like Got to the hospital Eyes held tight They moved the room to room She could tell by the light Handcuffed tight to the bed Through her skin they bit With guns to her head Every word she got hit Who shot the trooper they asked her Put the mace in her eyes Threatened to blast her Her mind raced Still things got still Opened her eyes Realized she's next to her best friend Who got killed She got chills that they told her That's what she would be next Hurt mixed with anger Survival was a reflex They lied and denied Visits from a lawyer But she was building As they tried to destroy her If it wasn't for this German nurse They would have served the worst I read the sister's story Knew that it deserved a verse I wonder what would happen If that would have been me All of this just so we could be free So dig it y'all of a prison with all males and the smell of misery seedless toilets and centipedes she exercised paint and began to read two years in the hole her soul grew weak away from people so long she forgot how to speak she discovered freedom is an unspoken sound and the wall is a wall and can be broken down found peace in the panthers she went on trial with one of the brothers she had a child with the foulness they would defeat her hoping she'd lose her seed 
Held tight knowing the fight would live through the sea In need of a doctor from her stomach she bleed Out of this situation a girl was received Separated from her, left to mother the revolution And lactate to attack hate Cause federal and state was built for black fate Her emptiness was filled with beatings and court dates They fabricated cases hoping one would stick And said she robbed places that didn't exist In the midst of threats on her life and being caged with Aryan whites Through dark halls of hate, she carried the light I wonder what would happen if that would have been me All of this just so we could be free Yeah, I often wonder what would happen if that would have been me All of this just so we could be free So dig it, people Mother would bring news that she had had a dream. Her dreams always meant what they needed them to mean. What made them real was the action in between. She dreamt that Asada was free in their own house in Queens. The fact that they always came true was the thing. Asada had been convicted of a murder she couldn't have done. Medical evidence shown she couldn't have shot the gun. It's time for her to see the sun from the other side. Time for a daughter to be by a mother's side. Time for this beautiful woman to become soft again. Time for her to breathe and not be told how it went. She untangled the chains and escaped the pain. How she broke out of prison, I could never explain. And even to this day, they try to get to her, but she's free with political asylum in Cuba. Following the opening panel of day two of the Black is Back Coalition's convention, 
Statements were presented from political prisoners, including Sekou Odinga and Yann Lamont. Sekou Odinga was a member of Malcolm X's Organization of Afro-American Unity, a founding member of the New York chapter of the Black Panther Party, and a combatant in the Black Liberation Army. Sekou was captured in October 1981, mercilessly tortured, and spent the following 33 years behind bars. Since his release in November 2014, he has remained a stalwart fighter for justice and for the release of all political prisoners. No community, no nation, no people who have really struggled for freedom forgets their political prisoner. That's always the top of the demand uh, on the demand list, the freedom of those who have fought for the nation, who have fought for the people and who have been incarcerated. You know, while we remember our political prisoners, we also need to remember those who have given the ultimate sacrifice and given their lives. We've lost so many of our soldiers, not only on the streets of, of, this here, of these colonies here in the United States, but also in the prisons. So many of them have succumbed to the uh, medical neglect that has killed so many of them. And most of our political prisoners today have very serious uh, life-threatening medical issues that are not being adequately dealt with. Brothers like uh, Matulu Shakur, Mumia, Abu Jamal, uh, Maroon Schultz, uh, just the list goes on, you know. We have to remember them. We have to do all that we can to bring them home. When we, uh, but just to take a step into the direction that we were talking about, the uh, deepening the resistance and to uh, deal with the uh, community control of police. These are issues that our political prisoners were dealing with 50, 45, 40, 35, 30 years ago that, that got them incarcerated. They were resisting police murder within our communities. When we heard about police being attacked and they were talking about unprovoked attack by uh, different soldiers of the Black Liberation Army or other formation of uh, uh, Black resistance. They were, they were, these were not unprovoked attacks. These were attacks against the system, against the organization, the police organizations that were murdering and brutalizing and protecting the the uh, slum laws and the and the capitalists that were dogging us in our communities that that was police resistance that was resistance to police brutality these our political prisoners are frontline resistors they are the soldiers that have stepped forward and sacrificed their lives their family their freedom to struggle for our uh, freedom. And so we need to be thinking about when we talk about the uh, deepening the resistance, we, we can't forget that 
people, oppressed people have a right to resist by any and all means. The, the oppressor don't get the opportunity, they don't get the right to, to, to demand how we resist. They don't get the right to tell us that we can't uh, uh, organize a, a community militia. Uh, we can't organize an uh, army. Uh, they, they, don't have, they don't have the right to tell us how to resist. We must resist by all means. And, and we have to determine what means. So our political prisoners determined how they were going to resist. And because of their resistance, they have become prisoners. And we have to re recognize that they are prisoners of war. That's why I usually call them political prisoners of war, because there is an ongoing war in this country that new African people, that African people have been struggling since the first ones were kidnapped off of the shores of Africa and brought to these shores. You know? So this war goes on and our, our political prisoners are prisoners of war also. We must remember that. And we must remember that they have the right, you know, international law actually gives them the right to resist by any and all means. And then, so we continue to uh, uh, advocate for their freedom. We, we continue to uh, try to propagandize the, the, the nation to recognize that there are political prisoners. The government in this country continues to say there are no political prisoners, that our political prisoners are murderers, or they are terrorists, or whatever they might, whatever negativity they might put on them. But I don't know some of, I don't know if terror is such a bad thing when, when you're trying to terrorize someone to leave to leave your community, to uh, to stop murdering your people, to to stop brutalizing your people. If you can terrorize the ter uh, the terrorists, then that ain't such a bad idea, I don't think. But anyhow, I wanted I, I just wanted to say, while I had this opportunity, that we really must not forget our political prisoners uh, by any any means. Now, when we start talking about cleaning up our community of police, you know. I think we can't really talk about control of police without talking about abolition of police, abolishing the police. The only way we're gonna really control police is that we are the police. We need to be talking about new forms of community policing and, and coming up with ways to police our own community the people who need to be the police in the community and they need to have those funds come to them. Now, talking about taking 10% uh, of the police budget and putting it somewhere else, that might be a start, but that won't, that won't solve the problem. The problem has to be that the, the, these murderers, these these brutalizers, these people who continue to terrorize our communities must go. That was Sekou Odinga, African political prisoner released in 2014 after spending 33 years in prison. Next up is John Lamont, member of the Ohio 7 who was convicted of seditious conspiracy along with other members of the United Freedom Front. 
He was released from McCreary Federal Prison on May 15, 2021, after 37 years in captivity. Unfortunately, it's not just, you know, those political prisoners that have been in captivity for decades that we're talking about today. Um, while, you know, some of those names are certainly, you know, more well known, but in the past decade or so, uh, in fact, continually, really, um, other people get locked up for various, um, you know, anti-government, revolutionary type activities. Um, I would like to actually bring up the, the case of a relatively new political prisoner, um, a younger guy named Eric King, about 35 years old, uh, a white anti-fascist, anti-racist activist, been locked up about six or seven years. Right now he's in Englewood, uh, federal uh, FCI. He's in the shoe, been in the shoe for over a thousand days. Uh, had to deal with various uh, assaults by cops, by staff, had to deal with sometimes what happens in the, in, in the prison system is they try to uh, put like racist white supremacist elements against, um, you know, revolutionary uh, political prisoners. Um, luckily, most of the time, you know, that, that can be dealt with, but, but that, has, that kind of attack has also happened again. And the reason I bring Eric up uh, as right now in this situation is because he's facing a situation in terms of restricting his contact in terms of phone visits and mail. He's being denied all, all mail, sending out letters, getting letters, all phone calls, all visits, except very restricted contact with one lawyer, with his mother and with his wife. And this has been going on for, like I say, over a thousand days now. So this is the kind of things, I, I just bring this brother's name up, but this is the kind of things, it's not just like what they've been doing and who they've been doing to, but they're doing things and they're inventing, or I guess, uh, even new and, and maybe to them, uh, uh, hopefully more successful ways to kind of bury and isolate people. Because let's remember, when somebody gets locked up, I mean, first and foremost thing is to stop that person or group or whatever from doing whatever activities and actions they were doing. Secondly, it's to bury them. It's to like, just take them off like the face of the earth. They don't exist anymore. And thirdly, it's to use them as an example against activists that are out here doing things right now. Well, if you keep doing something like this, you're gonna be over there. We're gonna bury you, we're gonna, you know, charge you and throw you in a, in a dungeon someplace forever and ever. So um, the I, what they're doing right now, I think within the federal system at least, is they're trying to like get new ways to make it even more difficult for political prisoners to be in contact with and to be uh, you know, working with uh, and gaining support of people outside by doing these, like, I don't even know how legally they're getting away with some of these measures. I think there is a legal organization out in uh, in Oregon that has just taken up his case. So hopefully that'll be, um, you know, really mean something. But I mean, this is not just for this one brother. This is, this, this is the kind of thing that the more successful they are with any particular method, the more they're gonna use it against everybody. Um, so uh, the reality is, you know, from Sundiata, Leonard, Bill Dunn, 
those comrades that have been in captivity since the 70s to the ones that have come in since then, the last 10 years, people like Eric. And also, you know, we've all seen these demonstrations in the past year. And there's been, we've all heard about hundreds of arrests here and there, different places. Unfortunately, some of these activists are going to wind up, you know, going to court and getting convicted and being thrown in jail. Now, hopefully, you know, none of these 50 or 100 year sentences like some of us had to deal with. But in any case, they're going to be more and a new, like a brand new, almost, sorry to say, generation of political prisoners, you know, hitting the camps, um, you know, like now and next year to come. So in addition to the work that we, that we all, you know, support and are doing, you know, and necessarily so, you know, for, 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 for people like Sundiata and Leonard, um, there's, there's new people being captured and being thrown in captivity now that we have to keep our, um, you know, um, I, our ears and eyes open for and, uh, you know, include them in our work. And that was John Lamont speaking at the 12th annual convention of the Black is Bad Coalition for Social Justice, Peace and Reparations held August 7th and 8th, 2021. The theme of this year's convention was deepening the resistance to police terror, honoring our political prisoners and prisoners of war, black community control of the police. More information on the Black is Bad Coalition can be found on their website, blackisbackcoalition.org. The People's War Show salutes the political prisoners who have stood up to fight for the liberation of African and all oppressed peoples. We support the demand for their immediate release. Our theme song, Colonial Virus, was written and performed by Leaky Angoma. Thanks to the People's War Radio Show's production, research, and promotions team, including Jaja Robinson, Empress Livewire, and the Hips of Panda. So we say down with the colonial virus. Down with the colonial virus. This has been the People's War Radio Show. Produced by WVPU Black Power Radio at 96.3 FM in St. Petersburg, Florida. WBPU is a project of the African People's Education and Defense Fund, the baddest nonprofit on the planet, whose mission is to defend the human and civil rights of the African community and address the grave disparities faced by African people in education, healthcare, and economic development. For more information on the African People's Education and Defense Fund, visit apedf.org. Episodes of the People's War Radio Show are available on the Black Power Talks podcast. For updates and resources to fight the coronavirus or to volunteer with Project Black Onk, visit developmentforafrica.org. Thank you for listening. Colonial virus, mass incarceration, that's colonial virus.